Hey everybody, welcome to Revolutionary Relationships, a podcast here to support you in your emotional, your relational, and your spiritual evolution. Yes, and if you don't know, we are your hosts, Kara and Caleb, and we are so glad that you are here. This is gonna be the best day ever. This is gonna be the best day ever. Wake up. Honey, are you so excited that we... uh started a tiktok together (laughs) (laughs) well we started a tiktok but you have been tiktoking yeah i haven't put my feet in the water yet i'm about to i'm I'm, I'm making a grand entrance tomorrow i think oh you are that's my plan because the tiktok handle is kara and kayla it's just kind of intimidating when you like you've never done it and then you're like what what's my first one you know you just do it. Who cares? And you don't have to do your first one necessarily because I did our first one. Yeah. It's still my first one. I know, but I will nervous. say that I know that the demographic, and I know that there's a wide array of demographics on TikTok, mm. but I also know that probably the main demographic are younger adults, teens. Yes, yes. And I also know from firsthand experience speaking in hundreds of schools and in front of thousands of young adults and teens, uh-huh. how ruthless they are. Yeah, they can be a little <laughs> bitey, can't they? Yeah, and uh, I, I, I feel that hesitation in me of like, oh man, like it's hard. Yeah, are it we really going to get is. made fun of? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I feel like um, TikTok people are just way more, they don't hold anything back inside yeah, of the yeah, comment yeah. section. The comment section is honestly are, the best are, part of TikTok. They really are. It's so funny. Uh, I'm just glad that the nature <laughs> of my relationship with social media has changed. I remember early on being so afraid or putting so much pressure on myself mm. to post every day or feeling that like, that anxiety crawl over me whenever I was thinking about my content plan. And Mm. if I didn't post today, like, oh my God, I would have legitimate anxiety as a result of that. But now I have no problem going three or four weeks not posting. Yeah. Yeah. My anxiety more comes when I haven't posted for a month and I'm then, I'm then like, oh, I I should probably get back on here and communicate something. Yeah. How did you feel about that thunderstorm that just happened? I loved it. Ugh. Except I am so sick and tired. Tell me. Of these damn mosquitoes. Yeah. I went outside That's to sit on happens. our porch and to listen to this lovely thunderstorm. It was a flood. It was a full-on flood And that the thunder happened. was loud. Which in the daytime, because I definitely have PTSD as a child mm. from thunderstorms. Because we grew up in the country and I also grew up in Tornado Alley. And... Shit, like at night when thunderstorms were rolling around, yeah, there was also the high probability of a tornado rolling around. Which meant scary things. It was, I'm terrified it's of so, tornadoes. It's so funny you have that so strongly because I grew up in Kansas, at least till I was five, and we had a lot of tornadoes, but I remember them being so exciting. And I, just like, something must have happened. Yeah. I should, definitely had some scary that. moments with tornadoes of being you, like holy you, shit. You like watch the weather. I do. I have all the alerts set on Twitter. <laughs> And weather apps. I'm so nervous. I know. But in the daytime. Keeping us safe. I'm not, it's not in the daytime. I can look and see and mm. know kind of what's going on. So I'm You not could outrun scared. the tornado if you saw yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the worst thing you could do. Definitely not. I already could told Kara that. Um, this is what, when we moved into this house, which we're moving out of. Um, when we moved into this house, 
I was wondering, and I asked all of our neighbors, like, mm. what the hell happens when there's a tornado? Yeah. And everybody's like, well, we just... Go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. Hang out in and the I, shower. And I, like, pulled out my college football helmet. And I'm like, Carrie, you're putting this on. <laughs> <laughs> you're putting this helmet on. And you're getting into a fetal position. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm covering us with a mattress. Luckily, we haven't had to deal yeah. with any tornadoes here. Oh, man. I always try to segue our our tornado or our conversation. Here, I'll into do the it. Pod. You ready? Yeah. Speaking of a little, no. Speaking of little boy Caleb, on today's episode. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> speaking of tornadoes, I had a tornado or a whirl of emotions. Ooh, that, that was clever. I had a whirl of a whirl so of clever. of emotions. Oh yes. Storm through my body. <laughs> Wow. With uh, dad jokes coming in with strong. Today's episode with uh, Donovan Taylor Hall. Mm. Uh, we called him Donnie, and he, Donnie. Uh, he liked being called Donnie. Yeah, he mentions that in the episode. Yeah, he does. But what a. It was just instinct. Yeah. You know what this is? This is the assuming intimacy piece. Oh, yeah. You're well like, with that. You no, do well with that. We're just friends. We're going to assume that we're intimate. And then just. You started. do that a little, probably too much. Oh. Not in a bad way. I'm saying with like strangers. I'm like, Kara. <laughs> You can't just go straight to their pantry. My boundaries like... aren't, aren't, aren't too strong there. I can always go to someone's pantry. Yeah. That makes people feel loved. Okay. I'm convinced of that. I'm so serious. If somebody comes in and they make themselves at home in my refrigerator, I love it. I'm like, oh, we're friends. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, you get crabby. You're more protective of your space. I'm like, absolutely get that soda water. Uh, anyways. Um, Donnie. Donnie. Back to Donnie. Donnie is... Um, Everything about him is a gift. Yeah, absolutely. They're calling him the modern day Mr. Rogers. They are. And, and I co-sign that. I co-sign it. And I, I am like, is it too small? Because he, because he's like more bubbly and yeah. lively and energetic than a Mr. Rogers. But it's the same yeah. spirit of gentleness and, and uh, permission and uh, just really strong presence. Really, yeah. really strong presence. He's definitely like in his gifting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I just met him and I am so wildly excited to see um, how his life continues to unfold. This yeah. journey that he is on is so beautiful and it's such, it really is just a beautiful um, uh, depiction or metaphor for like this death and rebirth thing. Mm-hmm. Like there is this metaphorical death happens, but you, if when you lean into it, when you follow it through, you re- reappear on the other side, carrying gifts uh-huh. that you found in your journey yeah. um, for others. And I feel like Donnie's story, there has been literally so much death, which we talk about on this pe- podcast, but there's been really this death of an identity, mm. uh, letting go and shedding of uh, the way that people expected him to show up or the expectations um, that he put on himself and how he thought he was supposed to show up. He's doing so much beautiful identity work and yeah. giving himself the space and the permission to grieve who Donnie once was and really fully embodying um, who he really, who he is. Yeah. Um, and you feel that when you interact with him yeah i love when we can watch the thread of someone's life where we can watch uh the things that happen and how they how they form into the things that we step into and the purpose that we start to step into and i feel like if we mapped out donnie's life it makes sense how how some of the hardest and most uh tragic things for him have created 
this really beautiful sense of purpose in his yeah. life and have it's created a gift now. Mm-hmm, ha- he's really shifted them into a gifting and, and turned those pain points into spaces where he can speak life into people. A, a, a part of this conversation that I just loved and I, I actually felt it, um, that it was important and I kind of stayed there a little bit in this conversation was around this idea of giving ourselves permission. Mm-hmm. Cause I asked Donnie that question, what is it that you wish Um, And you'll hear it on the podcast, but what is it that you wish you were given permission to do as a child that you never were? And his answer was so quick. Yeah. And to give some context just to that question, Donnie works with, uh, he has been working with middle schoolers. And so he, he kind of breaks down this idea of giving them permission and and why that's so important, giving them permission to, to feel the things they need to feel. And so you mirrored that back and said, what did you need to, what did you need permission for? And he said, I just wish I was given the permission to grieve. Mm. I think what it, what that question has reflected back to me, um, and, and since this episode, something I've been thinking a lot about is this idea that we actually, as adults now, have that ability to reparent ourselves yeah. and give ourselves our own permission. That's what it is. Yeah. So now I can say, wow, I didn't have permission when I was, whatever, eight 10, 13 to feel all of my feelings. So my work then is to go back to that little girl version of myself to hold her and say, you have full permission to feel all of your feelings and you get to do the same with little Caleb. You know, we're all versions of ourselves at all times at all times. And you get to go back and say, Mm -hmm. you, you have permission to say no and to, to, to lay this down if it's not what you truly desire. Yeah. So I think the question is for you who are listening, Uh what is it that you wish you were given permission uh, to do as Mm -hmm. a young adult and how can you give yourself permission to do that today? Are you giving yourself permission to do that today? Um, And before we dive into today's episode, uh, a couple of things. Uh, We do talk a little bit about uh, suicide, uh, suicidal ideation, and I just want to you to, uh, to be aware of that in case any of that is um, emotionally activating for you. Sensitive content. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. secondly, just so you have more context, Donovan Taylor Hall, he is a youth advocate and an educator that teaches kids how to build positive self-identity. He has been featured on the Today Show, Now This, Daily Mail TV, and several podcasts to talk about the importance of positive youth development. Mm -hmm. Donovan teaches his self-skills curriculum through coaching, speeches, and online content. He is currently working on creating an educational entertainment show to help reach an even bigger audience for kids. You're going to love this episode. It's so good. And if you do... Uh, can just you do a big favor? I ask it every week. Just a really big favor. Can you just uh, share it uh, with one person that you think would deeply appreciate it? And secondly, uh, if you haven't yet, it helps us so much if you just took the time to maybe leave a rating and a review on this podcast. Absolutely. We are so honored you guys are listening and we know you're going to absolutely love this conversation. So here's what Donovan has to say. Oh, it's so nice to meet you too. Thanks so much for doing this, man. It's such a such a privilege to have you and you, your energy and just you Donovan, here with us today. I I like <laughs> you, like people who email like you. I fall in love with immediately. We got an email from Donovan who was like, "Oh my gosh, you're my best friends." And here's what I love about you. And I was like, "What's happening?" I love him so much. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I did some research because I've done so many like podcasts. I mean, I was I was teaching like in May mm. of last year. Mm-hmm. And so uh, literally after the Today Show and stuff, it all just like took off. And I got to do like a podcast with Sophia Bush last week. Yeah. And I got to do a podcast with like Angela Rye and stuff. And so this time I was like, okay, do your research, like really <laughs> lean in. And I read a piece that um, I don't know who wrote it. I read a piece about you, Caleb, and about your journey. And I was like, oh my God. So then I read about you, Kara. And then I sent it to my mom because my mom is like in like desperate need of a revolution in mm. her life. Um, so yeah, I'm just super, super pumped. And I also wanted to say too that um, most of the podcasts and most of the interviews that I've done have been with like women. And because mm. women are the ones who hold a lot of emotional labor in our country and they're the ones who nurture and take care of us. Um, and so I was excited to be like, oh, wow, I, I think that we need to bring men into these conversations mm. because they are yeah. often ones who are doing harm because of harm that was done to them. Come on. And mm. they need to be in these spaces as well. So this is like a huge deal um, so to good. be with both of you. Yeah. Thank you for so that. So good. We yeah. can stop the podcast after that. Like, <laughs> let's drop. go do work right now to create safe spaces for men to express themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Please do. Please Seriously. do. Stop punching walls. Please. <laughs> Share your feelings. Man. I'm so into it. I actually, I just talked about that. I just actually posted it on Facebook and I, I, I wrote it a while back ago, but I was talking about how at one point I was dating this girl. Um, this is back in like 2009. It was right after I got drafted in the NFL and was told that I couldn't play. And mm-hmm. I was back at West Point serving for a little bit before getting uh, assigned to a duty station. And I, at this point in my life, I've done no emotional work. I am a ticking yeah. time bomb. Nine and times. I learned early on that rage was a superpower for me because anytime yeah. I felt threatened or exposed, I could use my rage to regain this perceived illusion of control of this situation or this and literally control of the situation. Yeah. Um, and I remember being at a wedding with the girl that I was dating at this time and I had been drinking too much, which was a normal occurrence during that season of life. And we walked out and this guy who was just as big as me gave a compliment to the girl I was seeing at the time. Oh no. And I wasn't about the compliment necessarily, but it was about this. And I felt insecure. I felt deeply insecure and I lost my shit. And this was with our family. And I just remember getting back to the house and I am uncontrollably sobbing and her father's trying to, um, uh, to calm me down and I put my hand through their wall mm. yikes and then I passed out I mm. created this massive storm and then yeah. I just pass out and then I wake yeah. up and I just see this glaring hole in front of me mm. and I'm like holy shit what yeah. did I do and I tell this story because as I was unpacking it years later you know I was six and I remember walking into a room full of family members and my drunk uncle decided to pull my pants down. Mm. And in a moment of what was funny to him and laughter, I was completely exposed. I was completely seen, literally seen in all of, all of me and everybody laughed. And the internal message in that moment, I'm not enough. When you see me full, like at my fullest, when you really see me, Deep down, I'm not enough. And that, that innate fear, that, that belief system that I'm not enough, like, was what was emerging in that moment suddenly as a grown-ass man, adult, that now suddenly I'm about to be exposed that I'm not enough in this situation because there's another guy here that is more than enough. And I felt that. 
And it was just this beautiful moment. I know I'm talking a lot here. It was this moment where I connected like, holy shit, I don't have a fucking rage problem. I have a shame problem. Mm-hmm. I don't have an anger problem. I have a shame problem. And yeah. so I had to then go and work on this like fundamental narrative of like, I'm not enough. And going back to the childhood moments that taught me and reduced me into believing that I am not enough. And we can spend all this time, you know, and as you can probably attest, being the, the teacher that you are, you see students who act out in pain or they act out in yeah. anger. They act mm-hmm. out in ways mm-hmm. that are not necessarily socially correct. And we penalize them and we mm-hmm. and we, we punish it. them and all we're yeah. doing is reinforcing the deeper the deeper issue that's happening is this probably for me anyways it was this deep deep rooted shame that i'm not enough mm. yeah I, mean, I do so much work with kids around like identity and i think in the past year um you know, I think this deep philosophy has really been the kind of clicking with me and really understanding like, well, why is it important we talk about identity? Because I think that we play these roles, right, that we think that we have to do to protect yeah. ourselves. And yeah. so for a lot of it, identity is around safety, right? Yeah. Like I have to feel safe in this identity because we don't give kids a chance to build a positive self-identity that's rooted in their humanity. You know what I mean? It's wow. always like they have to develop this identity based off of clues and messages and things that have happened to them. So when I was six, right? My dad died. And um, before that, I, I don't remember ever thinking about it's time for me to get to work before I was six. But mm-hmm. I sat in my mom's lap at the funeral. And my mom used to tell this story all the time. And I had to just, I think in the past year, I recently challenged it because she would be like, well, I made a joke to her because Mm. she was crying. And I said, well, like, at least I don't have to eat beans anymore because my dad used to make me eat beans all the time. And she like laughed really loud. And, you know, at the funeral, people are like, what's going on? And she was like, oh, well, he was just trying to understand. And he was just like making the most out of like that situation. And I eventually was like, no, that's not why I said that. I said that to make you feel better. I said that because I wanted to make you laugh. And so I've never really talked about this in any podcast. So I'm happy you brought it up because it happened to me time after time. So when I got into high school, um, my grandpa died. And I remember watching my brothers be like, well, let's make Donnie sit between mom and my grandma because he makes them feel better. Mm. And then the next year, my godbrother died. And my mom was like, walk with your brother down the aisle because you make him feel better. And then the next year, my best friend died and and then they were like his family was like can you speak on behalf of his friends because mm. you're good at so speaking and so I got put in this position of I have to take care of people that's yeah. my job I have to take care of people yeah. and when I was younger it was kind of be like by being everybody's friend and being really charming and funny and stuff and then I found this work and to tell you the truth even though this there was a lot of good intention between like between helping kids it was still this idea of I have to do this I have to help mm. kids this is my job this is why I was put on this earth and behind that there was nothing if you took the work away there was nothing mm. and that was a really hard thing to kind of come to terms with my, a therapist asked me one time she was like if I dropped you on an island right now Mm. and you had all of your basic enemies like if you had everything you needed but no people how would you feel Mm. and I was like I would feel nothing (laughs) because who am I taking care of right and so I know that things have changed for me because now I'm like please please drop me on an island (laughs) for a week oh my god please give me away because I've had to completely rebuild this idea of who I am to myself and really ground myself in my humanity and embrace these gifts and realize that like I don't have to be this thing to have safety and value in the world my value Mm. comes from my innate humanity Mm. and so working with boys especially working with boys of color recently 
recently, I've had moments where I've said things to these, these boys and they just look at me, they stare at me for like five minutes before they speak, because it's like, they're being seen Mm. in a positive way. And it's not a defining way. It's just saying like, Hey, here's how I see you. Here's all the evidence that leads me to see you this way. What do you think about that? And then they have to kind of just process that. And it's tough for some kids, you know, yeah. it's, it's really tough. I watched the man, one of the only men I ever really loved punch a hole in a wall because he couldn't admit how he felt. Yeah. I watched him punch a hole in the wall. I watched him hurt himself because it was so hard for him to say how he felt. And so Thank after you. that, I just realized like, you know, we're just trying to protect ourselves. Yeah. So even the people who are out here spewing hate and the people who are out Absolutely. here harming other people, they're trying to take care of themselves. And, and then we're, we don't wonder why people do this. And it's mm-hmm. because we give no space for this as kids, we give no space for it. And if you're lucky and you find this work, Right. And I don't mean like you find it like you're, you know, digging for gold and you're like, hooray, personal (laughs) development. If you get to the point where things are so bad that you have to find it, right. And you, or you have those resources, then you can do this work for yourself. But there's so many people who don't. So I talk with adults all the time who I feel like are years behind Mm. some of my kids who have Mm -hmm. been doing the work because the kids are like, nah, this, I choose who I am. I get to say, this is me. This is how I show up in the world. This is what I bring to the world. Not you telling me I have to be this way, whether it's like a parent or a teacher or society. Right. Yeah. 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 It makes me think about how powerful it is to give someone permission. I just think (laughs) about this idea that like, we're all running around with so many emotions and so many feelings. And a huge part of my story was that I was told not to be sad, not to be angry, not to be upset, Mm. not to be, not to be all these things. And then I get to age 32 and I'm a shell of a person because I've been told not to be my whole life. Everyone has told me not to be. And, and now I work with women all the time on this process of giving them permission to fully feel like, what does it look like to actually feel the expanse of all of your emotions? And I think what you're, what you're referencing and what's so beautiful is that sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes all that it takes is giving someone the permission to say, you can feel what you need to feel. And, and, and let's look at the ways that you created identities around these things. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. I think the permission piece is massive. Mm -hmm. The permission piece in general is massive for Mm -hmm. either students or adults. Adults, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I just am We're finishing up. We're all just students up. in some way, huh? We, yes, we are. Literally. <laughs> We're all human. It's like it's <laughs> what totally. would you say, Donovan, is, uh, and maybe you maybe you have already communicated this early on when you talked about your six-year-old self, what would you say is the one thing you were not given permission to do, looking back, you wish you were given permission to do? Mm. Grieve. Grieve, come yeah. on. You know, grieve. I remember thinking, like, like why do I have to take care of everybody. Like yeah. even at my friend's funeral, like, and I, and I spoke at my friend's funeral. I'm about to start crying. It was I'm the first time crying. I did public speaking. Right. It was the first time I did public speaking. And, um, when, when my friend, when my friend died, uh, it was like right before graduation of high school. And he was this like huge bright light. Like mm-hmm. he was a massive bright light, but also he struggled a lot. And we didn't, I didn't have the tools as a kid to help him with that. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing him have these breakdown moments and stuff. And so, um, I felt this pressure to do something because it was like, okay, death has happened again. Mm-hmm. Time to get to work, Donnie, right? Wow. Push your stuff down. And so the first thing I did was I just printed out all these pictures I had of him. And I went to his house and I was like, hey, here is what I have 
of your son and I want to share it with you. And um, I just kept going back day after day because they didn't know what happened to him. So it took longer to kind of figure out what the cause of death was. And I just kept telling stories and stuff. And so they had all these people who are going to speak. And then like right before the funeral, his family came to me and they're like, actually, we don't want them to speak. We just want you to speak. Mm -hmm. And it's the duality of this is really tough because I feel really honored um, that I got to speak and be there for his family and support them because I spoke for eight minutes, no notes. People were like lining up to talk to me at the funeral afterwards. But then there was also like 17 year old me who lost his friend. And I got to see all my friends in the audience crying and being open. And then when we got to the burial ground, I've never talked about any of this on publicly, but when we got to the burial ground, my mom had to take me away because people were like, you're so amazing. And Mm. and wow, you did a great job. And I was like, let me be like, let me witness this. And I missed it. I had to go. I had to leave and I had to go back and kind of do it on my own. So when I got to, I went to this program called soul, which is the school of embodied leadership. This lady gave me the permission to grieve and she sat me down outside and she sat with me and she put a chair in front of me and she said, here's your dad. Like, what do you want to say to him? And so I was like, oh God, you know, and I was like crying. So I talked and then I'm like, okay, okay, I'm cool. And she's like, okay, here's your papa. Like, what are you going to say to him? And I was like, no, no. And then she's like, here's Dewey, right? What are you going to say to him? And she just, she sat with me for like an hour and a half and just let me talk and let me get it out. And I mean, that wasn't what changed. I, as soon as I left that program, those walls came back up because I still didn't have the tools to take care of myself. But I look at that moment and I'm like, that was the first time I was given permission to grieve. And, and I didn't have to be the strong one and I didn't have to be the one that was taking care of people. And, um, it was so, I mean, I just felt like I was like bleeding out, you know what I mean? It was just so much pent up stuff and, and all of that, all of that hurt. I didn't use it against other people. I used it against myself. That's why I hated myself so much. I had this core of sadness in me that was so dark that it pushed me into substance abuse as a young kid. No one stopped me. They witnessed, everyone witnessed it happen, but they're like, Donnie's okay. Right. Donnie's all right. He has friends. He gets good grades. He's okay. I'm screaming out for help. No one is saving me. Um, and it got to the point where I wanted to kill myself. I would rather be dead than have to deal with that. And, um, my friend, this is in college. My friend actually committed suicide before the day I planned. And it was just like a wake up call. And so I wrote a letter about it and I put it online and his family got it. And they were like, come up and talk to people about this. And I was like, here we go again. It's starting again. And so it's just been, I think recently I realized that even the work I'm doing with kids, the reason it hurt so much, the reason I wasn't able to be proud of it or be excited is because I felt this pressure. I have to do this. Mm. And the Today Show was a blessing. It was an amazing, huge gift. But I started getting messages from people saying, you're going to save humanity. You're going to save kids. Mm. You're going to do this. And I freaked. I freaked out. And I, I'm just now coming out of a huge depression mm-hmm. because I was like, I'm just a person. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just yeah. one person. So Donnie came out, you know, like little Donnie came out and was like, I, I don't have it in me anymore. I don't have it in me anymore to do this on a larger scale. And I completely lost track of my vision. I lost track of the work and all all I wanted to do was hide Mm -hmm. and say, leave me alone. Like I've done enough. I've done enough, but I'm, I'm learning now in this moment, how to really embrace Donnie, Mm -hmm. how to really like hold and and take care of Donnie because I didn't have that. And, and thankfully my mom was so unconditionally loving of me, but I also hid that from her. I don't Mm -hmm. blame her because I hid it from everyone. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think 
the roles that we think we have to play and, and working with kids, especially middle schoolers, their identities are coming out and they're just trying to find safety mm-hmm. yeah. and they're trying to figure out how do I show up? And some, sometimes people will be like, well, kids shouldn't care about social media. They should care about grades. And I'm like, you're asking them to hide behind academics. You're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Academics, athletics, like, you know, friendship, mm-hmm. like uh, clout, like these things are kids are latching on for identity mm-hmm. And I'm trying to to give them a space to really explore their humanity, right? So that their identity is grounded in who they are as a person. Their value comes from the fact that they are alive, yeah. right? Versus their identity has to be based in, in fear of how do I stay safe? How do I stay protected? Every single kid, no matter how popular they were, no matter how standoffish they are, when it's one-on-one, they're a kid mm-hmm. and they're being seen and they're being safe and, and heard. And that's why my kids loved me so much is mm-hmm. because they could come and be safe in those spaces Mm -hmm. i can come and sit next to a girl and say it's okay you can you can cry right and she's like well my parents tell me i'm not allowed to i'm like well okay but here we are and i'm telling you you're allowed to so do you want to and they're like yeah and then they cry right and so then they would leave and they would go back out and and just i think it's i think it's 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 great to know that i can be someone to give kids that permission but i want to help kids get to the point where they can give themselves the permission yeah. Right. I don't want this work to live within me. I want them to take this work and, and leave with it. So wherever they go, whatever struggles they go through, they're allowed to feel how they feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know well, what? I, oh, go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> Caleb's over here bawling. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. My heart is like, yeah. Uh, I'm like yeah. trying to go through the computer screen right now to hug you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So beautiful. Um, it is so beautiful. Yeah, I, I have things, but go. I Well, I just want to say, I think I, I'm thinking about all these messages you were getting about your capacity to save the world oh. and save kids and and just that calling. And I, I want to echo that that's probably true. Like there is so much possibility in you to create yeah. so much healing for people. And I think what you're, what you're really showing us, and I think it's, it's so poignant in, in this, in this work, in the work is this idea that the more we're called into purpose, like into our calling, the more we have to go back and do the actual healing work in our own lives. Like the more we expand in one way, all of this other stuff we have to look at and really, really wrestle with. And it's, I just want to honor you for doing that. Mm-hmm. Honor you for taking the time to recognize like I need to take care of me because yeah. because I think what happens so often is is we get projected into this uh this purpose or this work or this drive or this vision that we want to do and create in the world. And I know in my own story, the more I'm helping somebody else, the more I've got to go back and mm-hmm. do a lot mm-hmm. more work mm-hmm. on myself mm-hmm. because otherwise I don't have capacity to hold what's possible for for the yeah. vision. So I just want to honor that in you. <laughs> I just feel like y'all get it, you know? And I think that that's, that's what's been hard is I think people don't recognize that part. And I haven't really been able to kind of articulate it because, you know, I was feeling like ungrateful. And, and then recently it was like, no, I, mean, I, this is hard coming back home. It's like, I'm, I'm back in Donnie's stomping grounds. Yeah. I'm driving mm-hmm. past places. I'm having things come up. I'm having yeah. memories of, you know, 13 year old me drunk running across the highway mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I'm like, Oh my God. And I, I used to be so embarrassed at that time when I first started to kind of grow myself. Cause I was like, I'm better than this. I'm better yeah. than this. Mm-hmm. And in the past couple of years, I'm like, wow, look how sad you were. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, look at how much you needed support and look at how much you were acting out and look at how scared you were and look at how sad and hurt you were. And I feel compassionate towards younger me versus like, Come on. Yeah. you know, embarrassed, you know, I want to hug younger me and be yeah. like, oh, you poor thing. I look at my high school pictures and I'm like, it's there. You can see it. Yeah. And some girl, some girl told me that at a party. And it messed. And I just, I was like, who is this chick? Like, what are you talking about? Because she was like, I don't know. You just like look kind of sad behind your eyes. Like I was like looking at your pictures online, like, you know, on my uh, Facebook or whatever. And I, and I just think you look sad. And I was like, I'm not sad. I have friends and I have purpose and blah, blah, blah. And then later I was like, yeah, I can see that. Mm. I was really sad. You know, I was really sad, but I don't blame the people around me because who was giving that to them? You know, and that's what I say is like, we all were living these roles that we think we have to play. So I have kids, you know, who are, I have to be the perfect student. I have kids that are, I have to take care of my family. I have kids who are, I have to take care of all my friends or I have to rebel because that makes me feel safe. You know, like if I push away then you can't push me away. And so for me, it's really about giving kids the tools to, you know, access their inner assets, like their inner knowledge and, and to choose it. Because now that I have the ability to choose it, mm-hmm. I feel grounded in my why mm-hmm. I feel grounded in my purpose, but I also am setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. I'm also saying, no, I don't want to do that. Or no, I'm not your coach or mm-hmm. no, I'm not your therapist. Right. Or no, that's not my job. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do this. So I have to remind myself all, it sounds messed up to say this, but I have to remind myself all the time. If I wanted to quit doing this today, I could. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. I could. <laughs> if I wanted sa- to go work with animals, I could. Yes, yes, it right? doesn't yes. sound messed up because what doesn't. it is, what it actually is, Donnie, I think, is this deep reliance that it's not just about you, right? It's actually yes. that you are simply a vessel to spirit, God, universe, doing the work. Yes. And if you step out, like somebody else can step in. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's like you, you're tasting, you are living in an ecosystem of love now. Mm-hmm. With, with Inside of love, there is no fear. Inside of love, there is no demands. Inside no of love, there isn't a scarcity. Yeah. Inside of love, it, it revolutionizes the way that we see and experience this life. And the deepest, that revelation of this universe, God's source is going to love me as much as it can love me because it mm-hmm. is love. And this love isn't dependent on anything that I do or that I am. Yep. It's just, it's just this thing that we live in. Mm-hmm. And the more that we can rest in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is an experience of saying yes to your own truth, saying yes to your own um, emotional chaos, saying yes to what is rising up in you. As you do that, as you learn how to own your own story and to live in um, in that, you experience and taste this love and you give yourself the ultimate permission. Yeah. And that revolutionizes your life. I want to stay on this idea of permission because I know people right now, like you said, Donnie, it's like, I don't have the permission to mm. quit. I don't have the permission to walk away. I, I know that people are walking around every single day longing for someone to give them the permission, whatever that mm-hmm. might be. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, fuck. <laughs> I remember standing in the parking lot of the Olympic Training Center in Lake Placid, New York. And I had just gotten told that I can't play in the NFL And my life was a fucking mess because I knew everyone thought that I got the short end of the stick. Everyone thought that like, oh, poor Caleb, his dreams don't come true. He's got to go back to the military. Caleb was lied to. All of these narratives were happening. 
And I was so ecstatic that I couldn't play in the NFL, that that dream was just robbed from me because that meant that I could save face. That meant that I didn't have to be exposed as this man that doesn't have what it takes because I knew I wasn't going to make the team. And I knew that there was a storm brewing inside of me, that it was getting really, really dark in my life. And I remember then being at the Olympic Training Center, getting ready to try out for the Olympic bobsledding team. And I called three people in my life. And all I wanted to hear on the other side of that phone call was somebody to say, Caleb, you can, you have full permission to quit. You have full permission to quit chasing success. You have full permission to not be okay and to not do this. But everything that I heard, and it's not thing that they were like speaking ill against me, like they were doing the best that they know how to do. The only thing that I heard was the Caleb Campbell that I know succeeds. The Caleb Campbell that I know reaches his dreams the Caleb Campbell that I know never stops fighting works harder works harder tries harder never stops and I just remember in that moment being like somebody give me the permission to quit and they didn't Brene Brown talks about it so well in her power of vulnerability but she says that what a culture values we fear that we are not what a culture values we fear that we are not if we take it one level deeper what our closest relationships value we fear that we are not Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when we spend all of our time in relationship with people that, that value success and achievement and reaching your dreams and do going and doing the impossible, what we fear is that we are not. And yeah. my, my whole, like my message or like what my heart is like, when are we going to fucking value emotional wellness? When are we going to fucking value <laughs> mental health? When are we going to f- per- value just you in and of itself, you right here. If you never did another thing with your life, you're still enough. Yeah. And you can it's, still it's, experience the depthness and the magic of life if you never did anything else. Like, when can we value that? Our humanity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say is like, when do we get to value humanity? Yeah. You know, and I think that one of the hardest things about doing the work I did, and I, I, I'm so grateful that the school let me teach my program there. But after three years, I was like, I can't do this. This is, this is breaking my heart, mm. having to grade kids on how they grow you know, having to grade kids on their ability to give gratitude, having to grade kids on their growth. It it didn't make sense to me. And I, and I just kept telling my kids, like your grades don't factor into how I feel about you. Yeah. Like, just like how popular you are, just like your, you know, like your, none of that matters. Like, I just look at you and I see you and, and and I, and I love you and I'm, I'm grateful for you. And I felt like I was a part of a system that was harming kids because Mm. there is no other unless you're lucky and you have parents or you have teachers that validate you there is there's no validation for kids yeah right we just tell and and we have everyone telling them to care about their grades and not care about themselves Mm -hmm. you know and even inclusiveness you know it's like care about other people like when do we start to tell kids that all of that starts with caring about yourself yeah all of it starts with taking care of yourself and loving who you are and i mean i even the challenge of looking yourself in the face in the mirror and saying i love myself like i i asked my kids to do that and so many kids were like i almost just broke down yeah it was so hard to do and i'm like doesn't that tell you something yeah yeah right you want to talk about skills we need to build to be successful let's talk about that yeah right and 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 learning has been so much about safety and identity it's mm-hmm. not about growth and expansion Come and it on. should be education should be about one's growth and expansion but in reality it's a way for kids to feel valid and to feel safe so i have kids who are i had a girl and she's amazing i 
I'm, I'm so proud of her now. She's like leading gratitude groups in her school and she's, she's like doing like the mental well being. but cause she used, she came to my class and, and, um, she gave me permission to share this story because it's, um, I did, I'm doing, I want to do a Ted talk about specifically this situation because she came to my class and she was the girl where we would like literally have to take the pen out of her hand because she was like, just like six more paragraphs. And we're like, we asked you to write one paragraph. And she's like, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. Mm. And I would listen to these other teachers be like, oh, she's annoying. Right. And I'm like, well, there's something there, Mm. right. It's not just that she really cares about her grades or something there. So she came to me after class and she was like, Mr. Donovan, can I ask you something? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, I have all fours, which is like a plus on the zero to four. Like a three is an A, a four is like you went above and beyond. So Mm. to have all fours is extraordinary um she was like I have all fours and I was like awesome and she was like and I still hate myself mm-hmm. wow. and then she just started crying and I was like don't you know that your grades don't mm-hmm. connect to that don't you know that there's and yeah. she didn't yeah and she didn't and I'm like well who told you like of course you didn't know who told you that yeah right who told you that and so literally she is someone where in those spaces, we started to do a growth group with her and her other friend. Um, and in those spaces, she found the permission to take care of herself. So suddenly, you know, the conversation was, I need to put my homework away. And for two hours each day, I'm going to walk outside or for yeah. two hours each day, I'm going to do gratitude or I'm going to journal or I'm yeah. going to breathe, or I'm just not going to do anything to get over that pressure that I'm, she's putting on herself. And I see her now and she struggles still, right? That's the, the point of this work is not for kids to not struggle. That's yeah. not how life works. Right. But it's really about how do I take care of myself in this struggle so that I can grow from it. Right. Yeah. Not so this struggle defines me because for so long death defined me. Yeah. My yeah. kids asked me about my tattoos and I told them about my tattoos. And one kid was like, wow, you're covered in death. Wow. Mm. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, you're right. Every tattoo I have is a, a memorial to someone who died. And I covered myself in them to remind me that that is my purpose, that I have to, I have to be the person that takes care of people, you know, when, when things are hard, but who takes care of me? Right. And how do I, and it, even when my friends and families tried to take care of me, I didn't let them do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So coming back right now, I was like, I'm so depressed. And the reason I thought I was depressed is because I wanted to be alone all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I started to pay attention and say, is that really depression? Or is it that I'm just tired? I'm just tired of having to take care of everyone. I'm just tired of having to be something that I feel like was forced on me. And I, and I just want to spend some time with myself. Mm-hmm. I just want to be alone with me and exist and appreciate, Don, you know, Donnie. And I love that y'all called me Donnie because no one that, that no one's called me Donnie yet. Right. And Donnie is like the core of who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I, like when you said Donnie care, I was like, <gasps> my heart dropped a little bit. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I'm being seen. Right. And, but I'm mm-hmm. having to do a lot of work. I'm having to sit down with Donnie a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm having to yeah. sit down with Donnie and push down those feelings of your family is struggling. You have to step up mm-hmm. or your friends are going to hate you because you're not there for him. Right. Mm-hmm. Or your students are all struggling because you abandoned them. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're okay. Mm-hmm. Rest. Yeah. rest because yeah. I got work to do and I'm mm-hmm. I'm so excited about my passion and my vision but I know that I don't need to burn myself to the ground for it anymore mm-hmm. I want to have hobbies I want to have fun I I just mm-hmm. went to an amusement park for the first time Come on. Yes. And, and like and, uh, the amusement park that we used to go to all the time as kids so I went as an adult mm-hmm. and I was like Oh my gosh. And I got on the first roller coaster. I didn't even meet up with my friends. I was like, there's a roller coaster. Like I'll see them in a second. And I got on it and I was laughing and I was screaming yeah, and I was like, on. Oh 
my God, this is living. Like, this is what it feels like. Cause I've felt mm-hmm. so bogged down by yeah. all this pressure that I've been yeah. feeling. Yeah. To, like not have space for myself, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't make sense to teach kids these things and to not be living it. Yeah. Right. How do I tell kids make space for yourself? You deserve space for yourself, but not allow myself yeah. to give space. And I don't care. I love my mom. I love my friends. I love my students and all of them have tried to give me permission, but I found for me, I'm, it's a weird kind of, I don't really listen to other people's opinions about me. I don't really mm. like care if people tell me I shouldn't do it or I can't do this. That's never worked. But me, I am really good at putting walls up for myself. Right. Mm. And saying, you're not allowed to feel this way. You shouldn't be like, I felt ungrateful that I didn't want to do all this stuff right now because I was tired. I'm like, you're ungrateful. Mm. The universe has given this to you and you're shutting it down. And I've had to really reframe that narrative around like you need to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You need space for you. You need, you need time alone to come back to yourself so you can show up in this work the way that you want to, mm-hmm. not the way that you feel like you have to, you know? Mm-hmm. I want to extract really quickly. I love listening to you talk, by the way. <laughs> Where do you live? I'm coming over. We're coming over. We're I know. I was like, come hang out. We're coming out. out. I want to extract really quickly the story that you shared about that girl in your class with, the, with all the fours. I think one of the beautiful things that you said is that the goal isn't uh, to eliminate the struggle for oh. her, right? The goal isn't necessarily to, to all of a sudden just magically snap into this belief that I'm enough, but it, it is to, to start to recognize, wow, I'm believing I'm not enough. Wow. I'm mm-hmm. almost stepping back and becoming the observer of, oh, interesting. I'm, I'm believing that I'm not enough. Can I do, can I do little things to start to heal that belief? Can I do little things to start to, to heal that belief? And I feel like a lot of times when we get into this work and we talk about healing, I'm always, you and I have talked about this, Caleb. I feel like healing can become quite addictive because there's another thing to like heal and fix and do. Absolutely. And you're like, Ooh, I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to read this meditation. And it's, uh, you, you take, you transfer the striving that you had in other areas of life onto the healing journey or onto the, to the work. I was damn good at that. Yeah. We're all good Mm -hmm. at it because we've been ingrained in this. But I think in that story, what I heard is, Again, the goal isn't to fix anything, to change the struggle, to, to, to shift everything into this energy of, well, now I'm going to become the best healing version of myself that I can, mm-hmm. but instead to become the observer and, and just to witness, well, wow, Donnie said, yeah, Donnie's sorry. really tired. Yeah, Donnie it, needs rest. Or Donnie care- said it well, like to pay attention. To pay attention. I'm yeah. an asshole for cutting you off. I apologize. <laughs> You're not an asshole. <laughs> You're so cute. I love I love watching you two together in general. It's, it's great. Also, the goal isn't to stop doing excellent work. Totally. Right? The goal isn't just mm-hmm. to stop getting fours. The goal is to become aware of when I'm losing myself in mm-hmm. the process of getting all these fours. When I'm abandoning myself. When I'm abandoning yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. This is the goal. This is the dance of life. And a lot of times I speak on this idea of like radical acceptance. I know Tara Brock and other great teachers uh, before me have used that term. But it is this idea of radical acceptance. Mm. And it's this fear that if I accept my life and who I am, where I am, my life is never going to change. That's mm-hmm. what people think. If I just, me accepting the flag is waving the, or accepting where I am is waving the white flag of surrender. And I'm just accepting my life as it is. And it's never going to change, right? Because we only know fear-driven motivation. We only know self-hatred <laughs> motivation. Mm-hmm. We only know motivation from the side of fear. We don't know what from motivation lack. from love looks like, yep. right? Mm-hmm. From abundance. Yeah 
confidence looks like. And so if I accept who I am, where I am, that process of acceptance, which looks like grieving and letting go and befriending Mm -hmm. and compassion and self-love and gratitude actually is the very process that expands my life in a way where I don't lose myself in the process. Yeah. We're talking yeah. about a worldwide revolution of how to move your life forward. And I say it all the time, yeah. there does come a time where moving your life forward isn't about doing more, but it's learning how to resist less. Yeah. Resisting <laughs> less is living in the present and being wildly in love with who I am and where I am and staying aligned in this mm-hmm. place. of like We can catapult our lives forward infinitely faster. And it's not, again, it's not about, it's no longer about going beyond where we mm-hmm. are, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's just what love does. Love is always drawing us forward. It's always, it, there's a longing in us to move forward, but our way of moving forward isn't through the striving and the clinging and the hustling and the being and the doing. Yeah. It's from a place of stillness. It's from a place of rest. And this rest is a rest that doesn't come from more f- f- sleep. Yeah. This is a divine rest and once you taste that your life will never be the same all right you ready for something wild come on all right so i was um i was really struggling with the fact that i felt like i missed my opportunity Mm. um and because shifting from education into the entertainment which is i want to be a public figure for kids that's been my goal for my whole life not my whole life excuse me since like i was in my 20s basically see my whole life like i was not doing this work when i was 16 but i'm like this has always been my journey no it hasn't um i i was feeling and i was I was talking to my friend we were at the beach for my friend's wedding and i was talking to my friend and i was like i feel like i'm not doing enough i feel like i i did these interviews and like what came from them you know what i mean like I don't know if I'm going to get any more opportunities. And then my friend and I were talking and I was like, but I, I just can't, like, I just don't have it in me and I just want to be still. And so we were at like a beach for a week and I hid in my room. I was like, I love you all. Y'all can go out, get wild and stuff, but I just need to be in the room. And I watched uh, what we do in the shadows on FX, like for like six hours straight. And I came out and I was like, I feel so much just better. Like I just chose to take care of myself that day. And then the next day I woke up and I did some gratitude on the beach and I went back to the room and I was like, you know, things will come to me. I, I know this work will not stop just because I said it won't. So I open up Instagram and guess what I have a message from? Who? Caleb. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and no. I was sitting there and I was like, I was like, look, I was like, look, look. No. I got another opportunity. It Way. just came to me. Oh, they were like, beautiful. are you serious? And I was like, yeah. And I just stared at it for like an hour. And, I, and I, the universe has always been, I don't, I don't really often get to talk about my belief in the universe and something bigger than myself, because I think that a lot of people need to define it. And for me, I'm okay. Just knowing it's there and not knowing what it is. Right. But it's taking care of me in so many ways. And it gives me immediate feedback like that. I've had moments like that so often. And that, and so now to talk to you all about this Mm. is just, it's like full circle because I was sitting there and I I was like, everyone is around me and you know, they're drinking mimosas and everybody's getting wild and stuff. And I'm just sitting there holding my phone being like, wow. Wow. Okay. That's cool. (laughs) That's really great. That's amazing. Right. That these things will still come to me, but I I felt excited about it versus like stress or overwhelm. Love it. Like, here's another thing I'm going to, you know, do and then not take advantage of and blah, blah, blah. But it's just been, it's been so interesting to see what happens, not only when I let myself rest that, but just like how I feel about what happens Mm -hmm. to me. 
Mm -hmm. um, because it doesn't feel that pressure anymore. I don't feel, I have big work to do. I know and I feel really grateful for it. But when people say like, you were born a teacher, you were born this. And I was like, I was born a baby. (laughs) Nice try. try. I'm choosing. So there's, there's two story structures that I really like. Like I love storytelling. Have you ever heard of the unlikely hero, the hero's journey story? Yeah. 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 So like Katniss, you know, Harry Potter, like they get dragged into it and they're like, no, I don't want to have to save the world. Right. But they do anyways. That's how I felt for so long Yeah, mm. where I was being dragged. I was Katniss. I was getting my ass beat left and right. And people are like, you're saving us. And I'm like, uh-huh. okay, I guess I'm doing this. Right. Yeah. And recently it shifted. It changed because suddenly I get up and I put my backpack on and I go out into the world. Mm. It's a different story structure. I'm choosing Come on. to be the hero of my story, right? As opposed to being the unlikely hero. I choose to go rest when I want to rest. I choose to equip myself the way I need to. I'm excited. I think it, it went from like, you know, Harry Potter and Katniss to like, you know, Link from Zelda because he's <laughs> just, you know, he hops up and he's like, yeah, and he jumps out and he runs and he's into it. And I'm like, that's how I want to feel. I want to feel excited and, and, and pumped. And I, I want to have those. I used to think in, I used to sit up in bed and think about, I close my eyes and I would vision a stage and I would vision kids chanting something, some, some message of self-love, some, some phrase or mantra that I taught them. And I was like 24 when I thought of that. And I used to think about it all the time. And then I kind of lost it when that pressure came on to me a little bit more. I started to do the work. People started to tell me that this is what I have to do. This is who I am. I'm going to save people, blah, blah, blah. And I lost that vision. And so recently I started to hear it again. I started mm. to be able to imagine myself and it's not about they're cheering me on, but they're, che- it's, they're lifting the work up. I want to live in a world where kids are, are hype. They're excited about I'm taking care of myself. You know, we need it. We need a revolution and we need it with youth because they are the building blocks. And, and you think about where our world is going in terms of resources, in terms of space, in terms of sustainability, we need more people who are moving from a place of humanity than people who are moving from a place of fear. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see so much right now is people moving from a place of fear mm-hmm. and because we're told we're not, we don't have enough. There isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but when I see like my, my middle schoolers who move in a place of fear shift to moving to an abundance of giving and love and respect for each other. When, when they, when they come to my class and that was the class where even if they're not friends, they support each other. They lift each other up because they have that to give because they're giving it to themselves. And, and I want to see that on a larger scale with kids. Right. Mm. But it starts with you take care of yourself. Yeah. Right. The work will be there. Yeah. Right. The work will be here, but the work will not be here if I, you know, am not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if I can't, if I can't show up for myself, then I will lose myself. The work will continue and I will be gone. And I, I don't want to lose myself. Yeah. I want to mm-hmm. be here. I want to experience my life. Come on. Mm-hmm. I, uh, <laughs> I, I want to say early on when you're talking about being at the beach and that I, I can identify so much with this. Holy shit. I just, I pissed away the opportunity. Yeah. I had this massive catalyst into everything that I've been wishing and dreaming of. And I just pissed it away. Like I just wasted away the opportunity. Did I miss it? Did I miss it? Did I miss it? I missed it. And that fear of missing it. God damn, that's a great motivation until it suffocates you until it buries (laughs) you until you literally have nothing left in the tank. Right. And then what do you do? Nine times out of 10, you turn on yourself. You're not enough. You're worthless. You're a piece of shit. Been there, done that. And I remember 
having a conversation with somebody and I was talking about it because I had all this national press, all this national news. And in the matter of how long I woke up and I'm sleeping on the basement floor of a boiler room in a church in Canada. Mm. And I can only think to myself, I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. Mm. I'm going to be a nobody insignificance, all of these things. And I remember my mentor looking at me and saying, Caleb, one day you're going to realize that you are the opportunity. Like you didn't miss any opportunities because you are the opportunity. And those words were a mm-hmm. container that I didn't know that were a prophecy for me to live into for the next several years of my life. And what I, what I really echo or what I want to mirror back or, and say to people who are listening is you didn't miss anything mm-hmm. because when you recognize that you are the opportunity. So how do we actually manifest the opportunity is we live emotionally honest and we honor where we are, who we are, where we are. So at the beach, when you're saying, y'all go have fun, I just feel this deep need and call to be with myself and to honor myself and to make, uh, you know, to befriend myself and whatever that looks like. When you did that, that is you becoming the opportunity, which Mm. then manifests in life as a physical opportunity. Like the universe is so relentlessly committed to us. Yeah. The universe wants us to succeed more than we want to see ourselves succeed. It wants us to experience the yeah. depths of joy and love and peace and happiness and fulfillment infinitely more than we can actually conceptually grasp. Mm-hmm. And when you can understand that, there's all these floating opportunities that can lead us into this deep, expansive, fulfilling experience. And how do I, how do I access those opportunities? Not from striving, hustling and losing and abandoning myself, but staying true to myself, honoring the process that's in front of me. And when I honor that process, it actually creates. Mm. I mean, that's, that is what I want kids to feel. Come on. Because I I think I, I talk to so many adults and I ask them about middle school. Yeah. I met one, one chick who was like, I love middle school. And I was like, wow, you are a, <laughs> you are a unicorn. Totally and unicorn. I, I am so happy for you because that is not the experience. But I was just talking in a room full of adults and I brought it up and everyone like laughed. They're like, oh my God, middle school. And then I was like, isn't that bad? Isn't it bad that we all just had that reaction yeah. there and we got really quiet? And I was like, that was a really crucial time for us. Yeah, it was. That is when we start to really understand ourselves and we start to take these clues and messages and stuff. And what I want to do for, for, you know, those kids is, is to really honor how tough that age is. Yeah. I want to really honor and lift them up, not put them down. I mean, society talks trash about middle schoolers. They hear yeah. it. Yeah. They hear it. And then we wonder why they hate themselves. Yeah. I, all of my kids. I, I, I just, so many of my kids hated themselves. Mm. And, and I, I couldn't take that away from them, but I could tell them that I love you and here are all the reasons I love you. And guess what? Your grades are not up there. Like they're just not, mm. I don't care. Right. Like, but I think about their inner assets. I try to teach kids, you know, the things inside them, their core values, their character strengths, the things that really influence the way that they think and they act and they feel and how, um, you know, I, I really like X-Men. I've always loved X-Men and I didn't really realize it until kind of later because when, when you're a mutant, you have these powers and when they start to kind of come out, they come out like almost too much and often they'll harm people or they'll harm themselves. And that's what happens with kids is that these character strengths of theirs start to spill out. You know, the kid that is in everyone's business, right? The kid that is always talking, they're the communicator, the kid with empathy, the kid that makes everyone laugh, right? Mm. Humor is a strength. 
And then they get shot down for those things. They, they don't know how to control them yet. They don't know how to. So I literally teach kids to identify their character strengths. And then we talk about how do I misuse these? How do mm, I overuse good, these? Donnie. So, so I had a boy, I had a boy in my class who was, they called him the class clown. And first of all, he was one of the only black boys in my grade. Um, and so I had teachers like who would be like, Oh, you know, you're messing around. And then he would get in trouble and it would be like, he's trying to make people laugh all the time. And what I saw is like how, how he's finding safety yep. and how he's like, I'm the funny kid. Right. And so when we did the character strengths unit and humor was his number one character strength, he was like, I didn't know this was a strength. Right. And so then a couple weeks later, he's playing around a little bit too much. And I'm like, "Uh Oh, we're misusing it. We're overusing that strength, buddy. Like bring it back mm. in, bring it back in. And he's like, okay. Right, cool. I'm back to work. But it wasn't like you're, you're messing up. Yeah. You're messing yeah. up. Right. And then there was a time where we we're playing a game and there wasn't enough energy. And I was like, you know, what would be great right now? Turn that strength up. Could, let that humor out and he's like all right jumps in and he's into it and it was just so beautiful that's the beautiful. girl who cried all the time it's like you're you're empathetic do you know what Come empathy on. is she's like i'm just sad because people are struggling and i don't know how to control it and i'm like yeah it's empathy you can't help it you walk into a room and you're like i love you i care about you i'm sorry i'm so sorry good. right you can't control it and you can and and we talk about what happens to us when we overuse it so when mm. i talked to that yeah. boy about overusing his humor he was like people don't think i can be sad People think I have to be funny all the time. And then I'm mad because then I have to be funny all the time. So Come having on. these conversations with kids, you know, help them recognize that they have control and that they can hone these gifts. And these gifts can really contribute when they choose, when they choose, mm -hmm. that they don't have to show up that way. Yeah. I'm like, if you don't want to be funny today, don't be funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. I tell my kids, I'm like, hey, I'm having a tough day. I can't be silly today. Is that okay? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. We love yeah. you. Mm. I mean, it's amazing. So good. What a gorgeous reframe to, to implement it as a strength as opposed to their identity, mm -hmm. right? Because then we separate. Yeah. This is the strength. Yes. This is not who so you good. are. This is the strength. And mm -hmm. we grow it and we pull it in and we grow it and we pull it in. But it's not actually identifying the core. The strength will sometimes be too much, but you're not too mm -hmm. much. You're not too much. Yes. yes. You're not too exactly. much. But the strength might be too oh, much. So Come on. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I was like, and then they change. You know, your strengths yeah. change, yeah. right? Like as you grow and you evolve, you're not fixed. You're not fixed in this idea of this is who I have to be. The only thing that you are fixed in is you your life yeah, your humanity yeah. right and then if that's the only thing you're fixed in is being alive is who you are let's take care of that yeah. right and these other things we'll learn how to we'll learn how to use them we'll learn how to take care of we'll learn how these things contribute to people yeah. right like and it's just amazing it's amazing to see kids be able to say you know sure i'm struggling in math but you know what i'm kind mm -hmm. and i own that right yeah. and so math is math is maybe hard for me but I have these areas in my life where I feel good, mm -hmm. right? Math is not going to go with me everywhere. I go with me everywhere. Yeah. Right. So that's the one relationship. Teach kids to be their own best friends. That is the one thing that is guaranteed to them life. And your parents, your friends, your status, your nothing, nothing else is guaranteed to you in life, but you. Mm. And then that is what I want to teach kids is to take care of themselves because some of these kids are so good at taking care of other people. Yeah. Mm. They're so good at taking care of their grades or taking care of these things, but none of that stuff when you're, uh, you know, when you, 32. I'm 32. I don't remember middle school grades. I don't remember any of those classes. That stuff didn't follow me. That is stuff that didn't follow me at all. Right. You know mm -hmm. who followed me? Me. Donnie followed me mm -hmm. and I didn't see him for a long time, but now I see him and I embrace it and I feel mm -hmm. cohesive. I feel 
myself. I feel whole. And it doesn't mean that I feel like positive and great. You know, it's not like, yeah, I'm me. Right. It's like, yeah, me. And there's a lot, (laughs) there's a lot that goes into that. Right. I feel like you're giving us a parenting lesson. (laughs) I'm pregnant and I'm like, I can't, (sighs) I can't wait to raise a little girl who's like in love with herself. Mm. Who's just so in love with herself. Mm. I love it. I love it. Something, something I've, I've, helps parents a lot out with is especially parents who want to build, help kids build positive identity is like framing the way we talk. I learned this trick when I was younger. I found this random book at my friend's house about like 10 things you could say to kids. And I don't, I don't know who wrote it. So if by chance that person is listening to this, (laughs) thank you because it changed my life. But saying like, I think versus Mm -hmm. you are Mm -hmm. yeah, right. And so that was a huge thing because I would start to tell kids, you know, oh, you're this, you're so funny, or you're so kind, or you're so brave. And then if the kids didn't feel that way about themselves, it was a disconnect. Or if you tell a kid from the moment they're born, you're perfect, you're this, you're Mm. this. When they have that first experience that challenges that, it's going to mess up their, their like view on themselves. Mm -hmm. And so when I would talk to my kids, I would say like, you know, I think that you're really kind. And here are, are three pieces of evidence yeah. Yeah. that prove to me or that give me that, that feeling. And then if you don't feel that way right now, that's okay. Yeah. But I hope that one day you get to see yourself the way that I see you. Yeah. That's my hope. That's so good. Ugh. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like letting it all sit in. I know. I'm here. I'm here <laughs> for this. Um, Donnie, um, we have to wrap this up, but tell me yeah. um, what, what is uh, the work that like you like? How can people connect with you? Mm-hmm. How can how can I hire you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, right now I'm just I'm working on. So yesterday I, I said yes with a uh, to a TV studio or Come production on. company that, that wants to make the show. So that's very Amazing. exciting. Wait, what's the show? Um, uh, it's going to be an educational entertainment show for middle schoolers and like that age because no one talks to them about this kind of stuff. Nice. And so, so um, I really want to become a teacher that kids choose that when there are kids who are um, struggling silently, that there is no gatekeeper to this work for them, come that on. they can come and find me. You know, I think I wanted to speak at schools for a long time, but I was like, but that's also still limited. Like I want as many kids to have access to this work as possible. Mm-hmm. And if a kid is embarrassed to ask for the support, if a kid doesn't want to ask their parents, they, they, they know that they can go watch this content or they can watch these things and practice these skills with themselves. So uh, right now I'm coaching kids individually um, and I'm doing some like kind of learning platform stuff, but I'm my ultimate vision is kind of being established right now so everyone keeps saying like well how can people support and i'm like sharing my stuff and connecting with me with other people who can help me share this work and share my stuff will help me build that audience but other than that i think um yeah i'm just very open to receiving people who want to do this work because the more and more i talk about this the more people come out of the woodwork saying like well i need this work and i think what's funny to me is like people are surprised that this work is important to them because it's supposed to be for kids, but it's human work yes. Come on, and kids they're human. And then I think if we, if I understand creating safety and boundaries between kids and adults, but at the same time, like we, we like close off humanity to kids, kids mm. are humans. And we, we literally treat them like second class citizens, like mm. they're not. And so I think um, I'm just trying to right now kind of, just kind of create this vision. So I'm still working on my website. 
I'm still challenging that learner identity. That's like frustrated with everything I put down on my website and stuff like that. But in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to like have that done. But right now on my Instagram and my TikTok, um, I don't know if you all saw, but I just posted a video of my mom talking to me. Um, and if you haven't seen it, you should check it oh, out yeah, because people, people loved it because they were like, Oh, now we know why you are the way you are. Cause of my mom, uh, but uh, yeah, I would just say, reach out if you're interested, reach out. And I can't, I can't promise that I'll be able to respond timely to anyone, <laughs> but cause I'm not going to do that. Nope. I'm not going to put that pressure on myself. Nope. I tried it. I spent yeah. three hours after the today show answering messages and I had 400 plus messages afterwards. Wow. Um, but yeah, if anyone's interested in coaching or if anyone knows of, especially y'all if you if you know of anyone else that you think would benefit from having conversations with me please let me know because that's just pretty much where i'm at right now we'll definitely do that also donnie um i don't know if this is in your wheelhouse so i i speak in schools Um, uh, yes i've been in like what uh so many how many yeah probably like i've been in like i don't know 45 schools this year 50 schools Um, well virtually as well but um i'm transitioning out yeah. Uh, and going more corporate, uh, just more adult uh, work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know that I do get opportunities sometimes still right now that I feel like I'm not actually, because I don't, I, I don't think that I'm very good with students. <laughs> um, I, I don't have that personality necessarily. I, I've, as I've learned how to own my voice and be present in my body and speak from this place of presence, um, it still hits home. Uh, but as I trans- transition out, I'll definitely keep you in my back pocket. Um, yeah. You'll be mm-hmm. my first go-to if... Um, booking agents or events coordinators reach out to me yeah. looking. So <laughs> yeah. And, and also want to offer to you that you would be really surprised at, at what you do for kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And there are not, there are not a lot of people doing what you're doing yeah. for kids. And so the, the chance for kids to hear those messages are really important. And I think that kids don't know how to, I think that we just put on kids that they're not going to like this or they're yeah. not going to be into this kind of stuff. But I'd in be reality, vulner- I'd be vulnerability to the punch. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That, that's, that, that's them. Right. So I get messages from kids who were like, Oh yeah, you said this one thing one time in yeah. class like three yeah. years ago and I, I have it like on my wall. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, I thought you hated me. Right. So I just wanted to offer, I appreciate that you do that work. And that means a lot thank to you. me that you would be willing to pass that stuff yeah. on. Um, but thank you for even going in there. And then care too. Thanks a lot. I, I showed my mom your stuff because my mom is, is struggling to give herself permission right now to, mm. to be who she is without yeah. these identities of who she's supposed to be. And so I'm just really grateful that y'all are out here doing this work. It feels like we are, um, you know, a, ships in the same fleet. Mm-hmm. Right? Come on. Mm-hmm. Well, Donnie, uh, Donnie, we honor you. We honor you deeply, sincerely. Yeah. Um, Kara said it earlier, uh, but thank you for saying yes to Donnie. Mm. <laughs> like, thank you for saying yes to you and learning um, how to uh, come back home to yourself. Mm. Um, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful story. Yeah. Um, and you're a beautiful person with a beautiful heart. Um, uh, just, we honor you, man. Thank you so much. I'm, grateful for I'm you. holding a mirror up to you. <laughs> just say, so, so I'll hear it too. I'm holding that mirror up. Just say so here. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah.